0: We have embarked a few weeks ago on a six week series on change. We're using this book by Marianne Williamson called The Gift of Change. And her uh, postulate, her premise, is that change happens in our lives one of two ways, and we get to choose the first way is that kind of change that we're perhaps more familiar with the idea of something happens and then we gotta change right it's the losing the job it's the you know the loved one that moves away it's the the schooling that's finished it's whatever it is and then suddenly we're stuck in a totally reactive mood uh... you know just having to change the other way that she outlines though is for us to actually become the change. And and this one isn't as obvious, I would say, because it asks us to stand up and represent that which we want to experience in the world. So if we want to have more love in our life, if we want to have more abundance in our life, if we want to have more joy in our life, Marianne Williamson says we need to become that thing first that this form of change starts on the inside and moves out into the world. And so if you want to experience more love in the world, What do you need to do to be love in the world? If you want to experience more peace in the world, how do you become peace? And and this takes some thought. This takes some thought. That's where we started this series a a few weeks ago. And um, today's lesson, if you will, today's message is not only do these changes happen from the inside out, but they also have to happen in the present moment. There's no way, Well, and and the first part of this I guess is obvious, you can't change the past, right? We can change how we feel about the past, we can maybe disconnect some of the feelings that go with things that happened in the past, but we can't change the facts of it. We also really can't change the future, if you think about it. The only thing we can change is right now. We can kind of make plans for the future. We can kind of have wishful hopefuls about what might happen next week. But the actual changes that occur in our lives have to happen right in this present moment. There's kind of no escaping it. But, you know, I wanted to spend just a little bit of time talking about the past and talking about the future because I have this idea that lots of us spend a good deal of our time, literally our thoughts, our worries, our uh, our plans, living not in the present moment at all, but either firmly embedded in the past or cast way out into the future. And I just want to spend a few minutes talking about that and the consequences of doing that. So first of all, let me talk about living in the past. And and here's what Marianne Williamson says about living in the past. When we go through difficult experiences, we have a tendency to want to talk about them. And to some extent, that's good. It's healthy. Processing with counselors and friends is one of the ways we heal. Yet, there is another tendency. And that leads us to articulate negative experiences in a way that keeps them alive forever. Now, I'm sure we all know people... And maybe we're one of those people that holds to us some event from the past, something that happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that still to this very day, we find ourselves waking up in the middle of the night or or daydreaming about it or reliving it or or even thinking about, now if only I would have done this one thing differently. If only I had said something differently. If only I had made a different choice 10, 15 years ago. How my life would be different today. And there is this tendency, I think, to go beyond the simple... Uh, Talking it over once, I mean, I do think that's healthy. When something happens to me that is particularly stinky, I get on the phone, I call a practitioner, I call a friend, and what I like to think about is I'm just kind of getting it off my chest in terms of once and for all being done with it. And there is something, I think, therapeutic about sharing it with a friend, Really, kind of playing it out, maybe even playing it over the top a little bit just to get the energy and the, you know, whatever it is out there and be done with it. But so often we're not done with it. So often it's almost like that's the beginning of it. And what will happen is years from then, it's almost like we're wearing it like a name tag, a little badge of courage, you know? I you know I lived through my first husband <laughs> do you know what I mean or or I lived through whatever it is I lived through the onset of diabetes, or I lived through um, you know being maybe an abused wife or 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 having some abuse as a child or something like that, and at some point it no longer becomes healthy and it 's almost something that absolutely just keeps us stuck in the past, all right. Well, living in the past is interesting, and I thought I would share um, our our joke about um, the good old days or living in the past. And um, I think you might find this, um, this is kind of one of those sort of vaguely sexist jokes that I hope you have fun with it because it's intended and fun. Okay, so Frank and Ruth just celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary, and that night as they're getting ready for bed, Frank looks carefully at Ruth. What are you staring at, says Ruth. Darling, he replies, I've been thinking. When we got married 25 years ago, we lived in a small apartment. We drove a cheap Ford car. We watched TV on a small 15-inch black-and-white television. We couldn't even afford a proper bed, so we had to make do with a sofa bed. However, despite all that, I was so proud to be sleeping with a sizzling 25-year-old blonde. Now, however, there's always the but, isn't there? Now, however, we have a large house in the Hamptons. we drive a Lexus, we have a 42-inch Sony flat screen, and we have a king-size waterbed. But here's my problem, he said with a twinkle in his eye. I'm now sleeping with a 50-year-old woman. You're obviously not holding up your side of things. Ruth, with an equal twinkle in her eye and being a very reasonable and sensible lady, says to Frank, Stop living in the past, dear, but if you must, I have a solution. Go out and find that sizzling 25-year-old blonde, and when you find one, I'll make sure that once again you're living in a small apartment, (laughs) driving a cheap Ford, sleeping on that same sofa bed, and watching that 15-inch black-and-white television set. And I think, you know, I think it is sometimes not only just holding on to events that were negative in the past, but if you also run into people like Frank here who have the good old day syndrome where everything seems to have been rosier in the 50s or or you know before we got married or or when I was in college or when I was a kid and you know times were dreamier and there was less crime and you know even though we didn't ha- even though we only had dirt we loved it <laughs> and what i would say to you is whether it's living in the past because of something traumatic that has us stuck or whether it's living in the past, us particularly holding on to something that's treasured or, or that's more uh, nostalgic, what has happened is we're cheating ourselves of the present moment right now. Because what I know about living in the past is it keeps us right where we are. We can't change it. It doesn't allow us a freedom of choice any longer. And so it tends to have us eating the same foods. It tends to have us thinking the same thoughts. Even if it's a a kind of a rosy picture, it keeps us so that further rosiness doesn't happen. It keeps us from enjoying perhaps an even more outrageous current set of events if we're stuck in the past. All right, now I want to do something maybe slightly controversial here, because I think every single one of us spends some of our time with thoughts of the past, perhaps reminiscing or caught up in the past. I think nearly everyone here does that some. And, and, and I, want you to, I want you to go with me for this for just a couple minutes. I want you to close your eyes for just a sec, and try to think, if you could, come up with a percentage of your thoughts that are past oriented now this might be doing that Monday morning uh, Monday morning quarterbacking where you think if only I had said whatever yesterday if only I had made a different choice it might be going back to that time in childhood where something didn't quite work out right it might be actually loving some moment in your life where you frequently think of that particular birthday party or that particular class when you were in school but if you could what I'd like you to do, just in your own mind's eye, think about how much time you spend thinking about events that have already occurred, thoughts from the past. Okay. So go ahead and open your eyes, but I want you to hold on to that number if you would. It might be 10%, it might be 15%, whatever it is, if you just hold on to it for a minute. And now I want to talk about the future. Now on the surface of things, doesn't living in the future sound better? Because we always can plan for the future to be cool, to be wild. I mean, I've got all this present moment to plan for having fun out then. So it's got to be grander. It's got to be wilder, right? It's going to be better. But I would tell you that living in the future isn't a whole lot better than living in the past. And here's why. Because if we put together a whole lot of plans and effort about what's going to happen, what if it doesn't happen? Are we not setting ourselves up for major <laughs> reality adjustments if, if we're planning for a relationship That doesn't quite work out the way we want it If we're planning for our retirement And it doesn't quite work out the way we want it If we're planning for who knows what Even something fairly straightforward Like a vacation next year And it doesn't happen These are, of course, the seeds of disappointment We've done all that, if you will, metaphysical work of saying it's gonna be like this and you know, she's gonna be that what was it, a twenty five year old blonde and look the certain way, right? We're gonna plan out everything from relationships to, to uh, what I'm gonna do when I retire, right? What happens when that day either doesn't come or it looks completely different? These are absolutely the seeds of not only disappointment, but then we're thinking, why did I spend five years dreaming about what my retirement was going to be like, when A, I'm ending up having to work 10 years more than I thought, and B, it's not going to be like this, it's going to be like something else then you're not only unhappy with the present moment you find yourself in that isn't what you thought it would be, but you're also unhappy with the amount of time that you spent building it up, dreaming about it. Okay. I want you once again, if you're willing to, just close your eyes for a moment, and if you would, think about the amount of time, the percentage of time that maybe you spend thinking about the future. Now this might be planning for a far off future, like retirement or when the kids graduate from school. You know it might be what i 'm going to do when I finally get the job that I deserve. It might be what i 'm going to do when i 'm feeling more healthy and active, whatever it might be that's that's wishing for the future that's hoping for the future that's making plans for the future if you'd also Somehow put a percentage to that. How much time are your thoughts straying out into the future? Okay, and when you've got that, you can open Open your eyes again. And, and there is a caveat I will say about planning for the future. Uh, I was laughing. You know, if we didn't do some planning for the future, the world could be kind of messy. I know Linda uh, Rossi and I were planning on Easter the other day in terms of the music we were going to do and what I was going to be saying and all the different stuff. And, you know, what if we just woke up Easter morning and came to church and Linda said, Wow, I should call someone to come and sing maybe today. I, want, I wonder if Craig and Laura are available. Hey, you doing anything this morning? I mean, obviously it makes sense, doesn't it? We do have to do some amount of planning in the future. And yet, and yet, I was thinking about the luncheon where we did do that planning and we were fully present in that moment of having lunch together and doing the planning. And also, it makes a fair amount of sense. I think we really are gonna have Easter this year. So it isn't like that maybe someday kind of thing. It's only just a few weeks off. So the timing was great. We did a little planning in the future, but yet we were fully present in what we were actually doing. So that's how, you know, because I will get criticisms sometimes saying, well, if I only just live in the present moment, you know, then maybe I'd never pay my bills because they're due someday, okay? So, of course, it is okay to make plans for the future, but, but be solid in what that is. Don't plan for, for things that have a likelihood of not even occurring. All right, now I need um, a couple volunteers from the audience because we're, we're going to have a game show here. Could a couple people come up and help? It's not too much. It's kind of Anna a white uh, job. Um, can I, oh, we've got one, Carolyn. All right. Need one more person. Can someone come up? All right. Actually, you're going to have to stand right about where Craig is. Yes, if you could, that would be great. And you're going to be kind of if to unroll it all the way. Yeah, as far as you can get there. All right. Now the name of the game show that we're going to play today is How Long Does Your Minister Live? (laughs) Now I know, it it sounds a little crazy at first, but but bear with me. Actually in... um, In practitioner studies, one of the terms in practitioner studies, you not only plan your own memorial service, but you're asked to come up and just state boldly how long it is that you plan to live on this planet. And so I I still remember. In fact, I still have my little, uh, we did uh, like little programs for the memorial, and I still have mine. Uh, And I plan to live to be 100 years old. So if you would, this kind of represents my life in kind of 10-year segments. And what I want to do today, if it is true that the present moment is what counts, if the present moment is where we're really alive, if the present moment is that sense of quality of life, right? We're not rehashing the past. We're not far out in the future coming up with dreams that don't even exist. Then how long am I really going to live? Right? Not just be here on the planet, but how long am I planning to be focused, alive, alert, fully present? And I'll, t- I'll share with you my numbers because this is kind of scary a little bit. Now, I'm not one to overly live in the past. Now, occasionally, I, I, do, I have to admit, the Monday morning quarterbacking thing, like I'll say to myself, well, if only I'd used a different example on Sunday. You know, my Sunday talk would have even been better. If only I had rolled out 20 feet of paper to, you know, dramatically illustrate something, it would have even been a better service. And occasionally I do that, but not very often. I would say maybe only about 10% of my thoughts have to do with things that have already happened. But think of it. What I'm saying is, we just shortened what I think of my quality of life by 10 years. If even only 10% of my thoughts are dredging up the past, you know, rehashing things that have already happened, kind of stuck in yesterday, I've lost 10 years. Of my productive and happy life, really. Totally unuseful. Now, the next one I'm afraid is really scary because I am one that does a fair amount of living in the future. I have to admit. I mean, in some ways, people might say, well, Larry, that's why you're a good minister. You're always prepared, right? We're prepared for Easter. We've got the whole, I have talk titles planned for the whole year. I do actually live somewhat in the future. And so the number I came up with at was 20%. So let's take off another 20 years. Now this starts to be a little scary to me. And yet I absolutely think that it accurately portrays my thought patterns today. Okay? Okay? Now what we know about science of mind is that the way we act today, the thoughts we have today, our own life patterns of today, we can change them. And what I absolutely know from the reading this week is this is the moment that the change occurs. It's not in the past. It's not in the future. I absolutely can make my decision right today to be alive, to be awake, to find joy in the present moment, to not put it off, to not somehow just think that uh, you know i 'll just sort of tread water here and see what happens, I think that that is what so often our life is about it 's more about inertia and actually actually, I think that the visual we 're good here um, so 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 if I move on just the way I am right now i 'm going to have. 70 useful years, and and I'm you know, I'm justifying this on my own merits here, because to me it is quality of life, not just the years that I live on the planet. So if I keep on with my thought patterns the way they are right now, I would say I have about 70 years of what I would call quality life, where I'm enjoying the moment, and thank you to the volunteers for being my vanas here. Thank you. And I want to make a change in there. I want to begin really focusing on living in this moment. And in fact, it's the source of the homework that I have for all of us this week, me included. That And this is perhaps the most pleasant homework I have ever assigned to this congregation or to anyone or to myself. And that is simply, I want all of you to go home, when you go home, and stay for the concert actually because it will fit right into this. I want you to enjoy this day. This is your homework. I want you to simply, wildly and extravagantly, and lovingly and sweetly and full bore, enjoy this day. And if you can extend it on to Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and for the rest of your lives, if you, like me, are up for reclaiming the 30 years here that potentially I've lost from living in the past or projecting out into the future, that is what I want for each person in this room, including myself. That's our homework. That is our homework: is to enjoy yourself. So whether it's making love to your your spouse, whether it's uh, taking a day off and going to the zoo, calling sick on Monday if you want. What I am telling you is now no. I mean, I mean, I honestly, when you think of us as what are what what do we consider ourselves? Responsible adults. I want to suggest for a minute. That being a responsible adult is having fun in the present moment. That is the responsibility that each one of us should have for our own lives, for our own selves. Okay? So this week, this day, this hour, through this concert we're going to have in a little bit, I want us all to have an outrageously good time. And I want you to carry that into this week. It's your, it's your duty. It's your assignment. The minister said you had to do it, okay? All right. So begin living for today. Here is, how, um, here is how Marianne Williams kind of closes out this section. She says, I regret having wasted any time thinking about the past or the future at all when such a glorious present was available to me. I didn't realize at the time that the present moment was glorious. I was focused on what I perceived to be lacking instead. And that's the mind game that will continue forever if we allow it to. In the past, I didn't realize how perfect things were, just as I don't always realize how perfect they are right now. If I had simply allowed myself to enjoy the present moment, I would have ended off happier right now. I'll close with um, a quote from Ernest Holmes and a prayer. Ernest Holmes back in 1919, I love this, in in his book called Creative Mind, um, you know, this is, what, 50, 60 years before, you know, the the power of now and some of the, the traditional literature on living on the present moment. Here's what Ernest Holmes said. He said, Life is for us today. There will be no change for tomorrow unless we do it right now. Today we are setting in motion the power of tomorrow. Today is God's day, and we must extract from it what of life we are to live. Tomorrow, in the divine course of events, will simply take care of itself. The soul that learns to live in the great gladness of today will never weary of life. So let us pray. There is one life and one God, and what I know about this life and this God is that it is here now, and that this now is the now of love, of life, of wholeness, of perfection, of joy, of peace, that we do not need to look for these things anywhere, but right where we are and right when we are. This is God. This is life. And as this is true in general, I know it's true about me, I know that my life is centered in that present moment. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room that each person here becomes ever more aware of what's going on right now in their lives, that there is that ability to take stock of what's going on. And if if the mind drifts of the people here, that they are pulled back into that present moment simply by the smells and the sights and the, the feelings of what's going on around them, firmly anchoring them in the now. I further know for the people in this room that it becomes ever easier to have awareness around when our thoughts are rehashing what has already happened or or far propelled out into that future of uncertainty, and that when, when that realization comes, we become more centered. We become more back into ourselves, into our own bodies, grounded in the now. And I am simply grateful for this. I am simply grateful for that power of making changes in our lives and doing it from that position, that solidity, that strength of being in the now. And so I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself, knowing that it is good, knowing that it is now. I let it be, and together we say, And so it is. So thank you very much. Thank you.